Gloves Off Hockey on WMEX with Mike Milbury. After fighting and coaching his way through a storied 47-year professional hockey career, Mike Milbury's gloves are again off for his next chapter as a radio host. Talking about the NHL, the Boston Bruins, and the hockey world. Join us every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 6 p.m. for Gloves Off Hockey. Here's your host, Mike Milbury. All right, Ben, thank you. And nice to get started yesterday. And in case people didn't tune in, I wanted to just kind of, because it's live action tonight for the Bruins, I wanted to sort of revisit what we talked about quickly yesterday. Not quite as much depth, but a lot of changes for the Bruins, particularly behind the bench. People were shaking their heads. They were curious why Bruce Cassidy was let go. That's in the rearview mirror. Uh, Jim Montgomery takes over. There's a change in philosophy. It's an offensive mindset, and it's a it's a, a quick pace mindset that he's looking for. Patrice Bergeron talked about it. He talked about it specifically in relation to Cassidy and Claude Julian, and said it was a different pace that that they were trying to play at, and it's going to take some time for them to master it. But puck possession is a priority. And included in that is a quick quick transition to retrieve the puck. So get back at it. Get get back at that puck and make sure you don't give anybody an opportunity to get clear uh, exits from the zone. It's a kinder, gentler kind of communication style that you're going to see from Montgomery. It'll be very curious to see if they can withstand the la- loss of, of McAvoy and Marchand for the first couple of months. But away we go. Game one starts tonight. We know what the lines are going to be. They're balanced, at least of top six. Taylor Hall is back in it. Glad he's injury-free now. Bergeron, our Hall of Fame center, not ours, their Hall of Fame center. And Jake DeBrus, 25-goal scorer last year. That's a good first line, Ben. I mean, Sold. It is. And second line, well, that remains to be seen. Pavel Zaka, wild card on the wing, looked really good with David Krejci back from a year in, in the Czech Republic or Czechia or however you pronounce it now. And David Postenach, the man who's looking to make north of $10 million from the from the Bruins. Time for 50 goals from David for, from David this year. You know, I don't care what he wears walking into the arena. I'm sure it's always going to be loud. But what I want to be is loud cheering in the stands as he gets his 50th. That's right. And so, some flavor, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So solid, solid top two lines right now. Third line, a little interesting on the left wing, A.J. Greer, who's been a banger. Winds up earning a spot. Good for him. You know, when you come into training camp, you don't know what your chances are. Greer hit everything in sight, worked really hard, checked really well, and he lines up alongside Charlie Coyle, who's a top third-line center in this league. Not a second-line center, but a top third-line center. And Craig Smith, a solid vet. So that's a pretty good first three lines. The wild card here, and they're not going to play that much, but they will be needed, is the fourth line. They went with Nick Foligno. I'm not sure why. I mean, he had a little bit better camp, but Foligno's the left winger with Thomas Nosek, who's a pretty hard-nosed player, and J- Jakob Lauko, I guess it, it is, is. Who's, who really had bottomed out in the last couple of seasons with injuries and lack of production, but came back with a renewed spirit. So those are your lines, and... Looks pretty good with Stadnika and Frederick sitting in the on the ninth floor waiting for somebody to screw up so they can get a chance to play. So defense, certainly without McAvoy, a huge gap there. Uh, but Hampus Lindholm is going to have to earn his the beginning of his eight-year contract with the Bees, and he's going to see lots of minutes, I guarantee you that. Brandon Carlo, we mentioned, 
let's get this guy some Wheaties, you know, just get that, get out there and bang a little bit more. You got a big body. You've got to, you've got to earn those minutes and he's going to get them with, with McAvoy out. Derek for forward, pretty consistent. Not going to see a lot of offense from him. Jakobs Borrell, who just had a great start to training camp, but then fell off teams with him on the second unit. And looks like Mike Riley, who was cleared through waivers, is going to be on the third unit with Connor Clifton to get things started. And we all know that Anton Strahlman just signed a contract but has not yet received a visa, so he can't play until that's cleared. Montgomery said this morning he didn't know how long that would take. But And finally, uh, the goaltenders, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Ulmark, who gets the start. Um, I heard Montgomery say that he left it up to the goaltending coach to make that decision. I would never do that. I mean, I'd go to the goalie coach and say, hey, what do you think? Uh, but I would never say, this is your baby, let it go. I mean, that's I don't mind letting go responsibility to your assistant coaches, but choosing on the goaltender for opening night or any other night has got to lay in the hands of the, the head coach in my estimation. But anyway, it looks like, Omar's the guy. Um, I was hoping that Swayman would start and we, he would start to get the bulk of the work. But right now it looks like it's going to be a two-man rotation. Uh, that's, uh, I've never liked the two-man rotation, but I have to say that it has worked in the past. It worked for me with Andy Moog and Reggie Lemelin. Um, but I liked it when Jerry Chivas was playing 60 games a year. I liked it when Pete Peters in 1983 played incredible hockey for us. It was just such a comfort as a defenseman to have a goaltender back there that was was getting the job done and you're pretty sure you're going to get a, a good job from the goaltender every night he was out there. So, But I have seen changes work. I mean, I played in 1979 for Don Cherry when we were playing the Canadians and, and we lost the first two games in Montreal badly. And Cherry never liked Gilles Gilbert. Never liked, didn't didn't have, they never liked him. He just didn't have the time of day for a Jill. He was sort of a happy-go-lucky guy. And, and, um, but he came on and played five solid games. We lost in overtime in game seven, but that's a change that was, uh, that made a big difference. Oh, absolutely. I can only imagine how that worked out much like that. Um, and I'm sure you've had your fair share of your favorite goaltenders around the league and uh, obviously played for, played with, whole bunch. Uh, there's a lot to go on there. And I really think that this is the, the two rotation for right now with Olmark and Swayman. They're on to something there. They've got to at least ride what's working for now. Goaltending hasn't been the big issue that it's been, at least post-Rask fully, I guess. Um I personally, I liked Rask, wasn't the biggest guy every night in and out, but you know what? The future is upon us, and I think Swayman's definitely going to be that long game. But I like Olmark taking the brunt of the work up front, keeping him fresh come playoff time. Well, <clears throat> Jim Montgomery leaves that to his goaltending coach to make the decision, which I wouldn't. I know Don Cherry wouldn't do that. And, and uh, speaking of coaches, one of my favorites was Don Cherry. He was an interesting guy to play for. I got called up to a game in Buffalo as a, not even a rookie, just a quick call-up. And I had played in New Haven the night before. I had to drive all night to get there. Ugh. And, you know, it was, I felt miserable, but I thought I was playing well. And he came down to the bench at the end of the first period and said, you college puke, what are you doing out there? Hit somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it several times, but you knew where you stood with Don Cherry. It was, it was always fun to play with Don Cherry, but I would have hated to be 
one of his dogs because if he put you in the doghouse, you were not getting out. Uh, Dwight Foster was one of those guys. I felt bad for him because he was a pretty good player. Uh, but but Don had his, uh, his way about him, a simple system. You worked hard. You hit. You know, third man high was the defensive scheme, nothing fancy. And it worked. It was a, a fun guy to play for. I think my second, not even my second favorite, because I can't even call him a full-time coach, was was Harry Sinden. He was tough as nails. He came down after he fired Fred Creighton, for example, and immediately the the whole system changed. And I meant attitudinally. It was just one m- massive piece of respect for Harry Sinden and the job he did. He came in, he said, I'm in charge of discipline, motivation, and conditioning. I'd never skated as hard as I skated when Harry Sinden was my coach. Wow. It was really fun, but he had a way, and Cherry had a way too, of making you feel special, of having a relationship with you. And that's what I think makes a good coach, the communication slash motivation that you reach out to players, especially if you give somebody a hard time. You have to go back at them the next day and say, hey, listen, there's nothing personal here. you got to straighten out your act, and we're back, we're back on the right track. And that's the way a good coach should go about it. Absolutely. You so. know, everyone's got a different style of doing <clears throat> things, but – Traditionally, you know, the uh, the yelling and screaming only goes so far, I find. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Especially nowadays. Yeah, so last night, good game, New York Rangers versus Tampa Bay. A really slow start for New York. They looked like they were jittery. But the motors kicked in after the first period, and I thought they were by far the better team. Uh, Mika Zabinajad, who just burst onto the scene as a number one centerman in the league last year, took it up a notch in the second period, scored an incredible shorthanded goal. And then added a power play goal in the third. Shesterkin, their goaltender, was terrific. Vasilevsky's the only reason Tampa Bay was in the game. It looks like they've they've lost a step, Tampa Bay. At least it's early in the season. I don't want to get too excited, but they missed Ryan McDonough. Ryan McDonough was a guy that they had to trade for salary cap reasons. It's what happens when you when you get successful. And they had Ryan McDonough on a no trade clause, and they came to him, and I don't know why he said he okay, you can trade me. Uh, but a, a tough tough thing for a general manager to have to do, but McDonough bit the bullet and he's off to Nashville. But they clearly missed him. And, uh, you know, before we get, there was another good game last night too, but before we get to that, since we're on the Rangers here for a little bit, we want to preview teams during the course of the next couple of weeks, teams particularly in the Eastern Conference. I thought we might start with the, uh, the Rangers preview. The goaltending looks great. I mean, Igor Shosturkin is a top young goaltender, reads the play really well, good quickness, competitive. You, cr- tremendous save percentage last year. Oh, 928% really? was as, as excellent. The only reason he's not in the elite yet is because he hasn't had postseason success, but I think that's about to change. Oh, yeah. No I mean, doubt about they that. did make it to the conference final last year, but Tampa beat them in six games. And their backup is a guy we all know from around here, Yaroslav Halak. He was here for three years, 49 and 23. Pretty good stint for Yaroslava uh, as a backup goaltender. Great attitude, not going to give you any hassle, not going to worry about how much ice time he sees. He's just going to go about his job. You know, he's been around the league a long time, 15, 16 years, and he knows what the deal is. The defenseman for New York, an underrated group. I mean, Kale McCarr from Colorado is going to win the Norse Trophy for as long as he stays healthy. But Adam's, Adam Fox already has one in his closet, so he didn't have to worry about that. This is a really good player. I mean, a really smart player, good quickness, great on a power play, showed that a bit last night. 
He's paired with Ryan Lindgren, who's a steady-as-she-goes kind of guy. And Jacob Truber, who they just named captain not so long ago, is tough as nails, good 2A defenseman. He pairs with Andre Miller, and that's a pretty good group. Youngster Ryan Lindgren is the fifth guy, and they've got another bunch of guys that will fit in on the sixth spot. So solid, but a little bit thin for the Rangers as far as I'm concerned on defense. Forwards, Sabana Jed we just talked about. Artemi Panarin, the bread man, as they call him. I mean, he delivers every night with creativity and speed and quickness. He's a fun player to watch. Chris Kreider, of course, we know from, from Boston College, 52 goals last year, a power play, 26 of them. Imagine that, 26 power play goals. He, great net front presence. And, you know, it's great to have these solid veterans, but what's really interesting about New York is they've got some top-end talent right behind it, young talent. Capo Caco, second overall pick, starting to play on the first line now, so we'll see how that works out. Alex Lafreniere is a first overall pick, still trying to find his way. And Kravtsov, ninth overall pick, got hurt last night, unfortunately. I'm not oh. sure the extent of that, but that's a tough way for him to start. And they added Vinny Trocek as the second-line center, and I think he's an upgrade over Dylan Strom, who went to Washington. Um, solid second-line center. And they got maybe one of the toughest... The last tough guys in the league in Ryan Reeves. I mean, it's fun to have him out there. See him, he's like yeah. a shark in the water, just <laughs> kind of really looking for somebody to hit or somebody to fight. And, and he can play a little bit too. So Rangers, I'm looking for a big jump in their production. I'm looking for them to contend for the their division title and the conference title. And I think they'll be in the conference final this time around. I think they may make it to a cup final. Oh, that's a beautiful breakdown. Well, the Rangers are coming up on the schedule. We'll have them shortly, not too long at all. But we're going to step aside, take our first break here on Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. And, folks, I would also like to make sure we point out a huge thank you to our friends and sponsors over at AMS Practice Management, turning career connections into catalysts for caring. They are helpers just like you. And if you're looking for a new career, or maybe you're part of a business looking for employees to help make things that much better, AMS Practice Management is the premier provider of talent acquisition and professional services across the United States. The extensive network of quality professionals enables all of their clients to meet deadlines, develop new projects, and propel their businesses forward. Check them out online for more information at amsmanagements.com. When you need to feed a lot of people in a pinch, simply call Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. Angelina's is famous for their hand-tossed Italian-style pizzas, fresh-cut salads, and their subs are, dare we say, jumbo. Did you know that Angelina's now offers Dell's Lemonade? That's right. You can refresh yourself with a tasty treat and make sure the kids are happy, too. Feed your family with Angelina's today, and you'll receive $5 back with every $25 purchase. And to top it all off, Angelina's delivers, ensuring that you can enjoy their great food without leaving the comfort of your own home. Angelina's in Braintree, located at 419 Elm Street, just one mile from the Union Street exit. Call 781-843-7827 to place your order. That's 781-843-7827. You can also order online at angelinasjumbo.com. Angelinas in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. You're listening to WMEX, 1510 AM. Gloves off hockey with Mike Milbury. Hey, 
Last night, Vegas versus Los Angeles. Another really good game to start the season. Uh, a good start for Bruce Cassidy, by the way. I mean, they, they won with about 29 seconds left in the game. Both goalies were terrific. Jonathan Quick looked like his old self in the Stanley Cup winning days. L.A. looks like they're a much faster team, but they still have some lapses defensively. And for Las Vegas, the big news was Logan Thompson, the six foot four goaltender, was solid in net, and he's going to have to be. They they lost Robin Lehner, their their starter last year, to injury, but I, I think Vegas is looking to erase the memory of not making the playoffs last year for the first time in their history, and I certainly would bet on it. Oh, no doubt about it. And of course, if you look at the goal scorers for the Golden Knights, it's no uh, no surprise here. Wild Bill Carlson got the uh, goal and the assist. And not bad. One goal, one shot on net. I guess that's all you need sometimes, Mike. That's all you need. That's all you <laughs> Make need. Make it work. <laughs> uh, also scoring their first of the season, uh, number 81, Jonathan Marchessault. And Jack Eichel also got on the board. Seven shots on net for both of them. A uh, goal apiece. And then, uh, like you said, Logan Thompson absolutely stood on his head against the uh, very motivated L.A. Kings squad. No doubt about it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how everybody handles their openers here. Um, a lot of games around the league tonight. A lot of guys getting their first taste of live action. Columbus, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, who signed as a free agent. I just don't know why anybody who's a free agent in Calgary would then decide to go to Columbus. <laughs> My hands you know, are up. He was, I have no idea. He was, could have signed with Philly. Philly was in, there in the hunt, wanted him badly. Uh, maybe he didn't want to play in front of his hometown fans. And Jersey's just down the road. I'm sure the Rangers would have had some interest if they had the money. No question, the, yeah. island, the Islanders would, would have looked at him. And they're up against Carolina, who's got a obviously a very good team, knocked off the Bruins last year at seven games and looking to make a dent in, into their playoff run. So we'll see how that one works out. Toronto? Hey, they find a goaltender or not. Matt Murray is their goaltender of choice. Ilya Samsonov they picked up from Washington. But they've got – they're so talented. I mean, Tavares is back in the lineup. He was hurt. And Mitch Marner is back in the lineup. And you've got Austin Matthews. These are, these are top-end players that can't get out of their way once it's, once it's playoff time. Somehow they have to burst through. And I'm not sure they can do it with these goaltenders. But we'll find out. And – Another game is Chicago, Colorado. Good luck to the Blackhawks. Who Good are just, luck. They're just bottoming out. We were just talking about it earlier about maybe Patrick Kane being on the block, and I mean it's a lot of money to take on, and he's got another year of ten and a half million dollars of salary. But one heck of a player. If you just think you're one piece away, boy, that'd be a heck of a piece to add to the mix. I tell you, no matter who ends up with Kane, it's going to be one heck of an overall improvement on the team. No way around it. I mean, Chicago just not able to pull it together in the last few seasons. It's been a challenging time for the organization overall. Um, actually, just uh, not long ago, had the opportunity to speak with former goaltender Scott Darling, um, and he said, similarly placed, you know, there's just so much going on in the organization and so much turnaround right now. It is what it is for the Hawks. And up against the uh, Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche, yeah. good and, luck. And everybody that I talk to thinks they're going to be there again, Colorado. It's just, they're just too good. They've got a magician back there, Kale McCarr. They've got Nathan McKinnon. And they have, they're just loaded. We, we know they're loaded. We saw them, we saw them last year and they got the job done. So we'll see if they can stay healthy and make it work. Um, 
but I'm, I'm pretty confident that they have the horses to get them there again. That's right. Of course, uh, in the true north way up there, the Canucks and the Oilers are going to get going at 10 o'clock tonight, as well as the Ducks and the brand-new team. I would love to get your opinion on this one, the Seattle Kraken. Mike, I don't know what to think about these guys yet. Well, you know, listen, the, the Vegas Knights were an aberration when they came into the league and made it as far as they did and the, and the Conference or the Stanley Cup Finals that was just unheard of. Most most teams that are expansion teams go through some heartbreak and sorrow in the first few seasons, and the Kraken are no different. But they'll 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 figure it out. Ron Francis is a, a good hockey mind, and I think um, I think just give them a little bit of time. But they've added a couple of pieces, and we'll see if that's enough to make them better than respectable. But all these guys are opening up. Got to have opening day jitters. I mean, I certainly remember that. Oh, absolutely. Tell us all about that. I got to ask, your original opening night, the first time that you put on the jersey and got out there for an opening night game, step us through that, Mike. What was that like? Well, I'll take you through the first time I put on the jersey was was in 1975, but it was, it was against St. Louis, and Bob Gassoff played for St. Louis. Unfortunately, died young, but he... He, he was so tough. I knew I was in a different league. I only lasted for the one game as a call-up and got set down. But my season opener was the following fall against, uh, against yeah, him, Minnesota. We won the game kind of fairly easily, and I think I played, played pretty well. But sitting in the locker room and putting on the jersey where just a few seasons before there were Orr and Cheevers and you name it, all the guys that won that Stanley Cup and, and turned this town upside down. It was a, it was goosebumps. I wish it's gone now, the Garden, but I wish everybody had had the opportunity to just, even if they didn't play, just to skate onto the ice and look up into the stands because it was it was like you were you were in the stands. You were so close to everybody. It was it was bone chilling it was just something that i'll never forget and 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 certainly will always appreciate it was just and and a lot of these guys are playing in their very first game tonight and they'll feel the same way the same attitude and you got to get rid of it sooner or later because you're not going to play too well if you're still starstruck going into the the uh, every game but i i think that once you get to the rhythm once you get through the first period things start to unfold and you start to just get down to the business of playing hockey. And that's that's what's going to happen for a lot of these young players tonight. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm curious, you know, obviously you got that opportunity to play in the original garden and what an opportunity that must have been. Did well, you- not just the original garden, but I grew up in Walpole just down the street. A lot of these guys are coming from Sweden Here, or there, Czech Republic. Yeah, but, but for me, I mean, I mean, for people who weren't in – you know, old enough to remember the Bruins of the Bobby Orr era. It was just as must-see TV as the Patriots were when Brady was winning championships. You just you, and they played eighty games a year, so I mean, people would go watch the game, go back to school the next day, and talk about it. The Bruins. It was just it was nuts how riveting that team was. They were entertaining on the ice. They were entertaining off the ice, and so. It was a, it's a special thing to be able to say that you played in that building. Oh, especially as a local guy growing up watching the team, I'm sure. You know, just like your father and his father before him and a long line of hockey love in that, uh, in that tunnel. So when you put that jersey on, I'm sure you could actually feel 
the the legend of that team following with you on that jersey. Yeah, no, it, it, just to see it hanging there with your name on the back of the sweater is, you know, it was it was something that you you can't really describe how it feels. But you you work hard to get there, and you finally know that you've achieved a goal, and it's not over. It's just beginning, and you've got to work hard to to make it stick. So. Some of these guys will stick, some of them won't stick, but they all at least can say that they've they've made it at some point in their career. Yep, making it to the show is the dream of all of us. You know, anyone that's ever picked up a stick out in the street in front of their house and fired a rubber ball or a tennis ball into a garbage can just to say, <laughs> I I was Bobby Orr for a minute. I was Ray Bork. I was Kim, I was Mike Milbury. All those guys. That's how legends begin, and that's why this game, I think, is so ingrained in the fan bases. Not only heart, but soul. I mean, you can't go anywhere in this town without a, a black and gold memory. Yeah, they're, they're uh, it's a special group, Bruins fans. They they Once they get hooked... They're hooked for life, and they're hooked very deep, and including you with your <laughs> Stanley Cup tattoo on your arm from their 2011 championship season. What made you do that? I, I, I think I mentioned it a little bit off air ahead of time, but I always said to myself growing up, because when I was growing up, Mike, in the, in the 90s and the late 80s, you couldn't give Bruins tickets away. If you were seen wearing a Bruins shirt, I mean, I had people back in the day be like, why would you even put that on? And that just, in my heart, that never sat right. So throughout my whole life, I said, if I ever live to see the Stanley Cup raised over that black and gold eight-spoke B, I'm doing something to remember that forever. And they finally did it. 2011 was a magical year. Yeah, they've had a good run. I had nothing to do with the team. I can't stress that enough. Nothing to do with the team in 2011. When they won that night... I got so many phone calls, text messages, voicemails from people that had known that I was a lifelong fan. And to them, and for me and for everybody, it felt like the people's win of Boston. So I decided to commemorate that. was 11 that. years ago. You commemorated it very nicely and colorfully. But this is a team that's been constructed, looks much like it did in some ways with the key play- players in place, Marshan. You got Krejci back from his European vacation, and Bergeron's back for another year. And, you know, we got an outstanding defenseman in McAvoy when he gets healthy. So it's one last kick at the can here for this group, and I don't know if they're going to make it. I just don't know if they're going to make it. But we won't really get a good feel for the group until we talked about till they all get healthy again, and that won't be till you know, after Thanksgiving. At least. Well, we are about a half hour away from uh, a face opening face-off down in Washington. You are listening to Gloves Off Hockey here on WMEX with Mike Millbury. That's right. We're going to get some calls on here, too. If you want to call in, you got a question. Uh, we all, I, I, will, I do have one already. Al called in from Weymouth, and uh, he wanted to know what your thoughts are on Charlie Coyle, this Weymouth connection. So we'll talk about that coming up on the other side of this break. Right here on Gloves Off Hockey, being proudly sponsored and brought to you by Fuse CBD. They've been with WMEX since day one, and when we got something to tell the people, they are right there front and center. Call Matt today and find out how about how, how you can get your 15% discount using the promo code WMEX15. Matt's phone number is 978-715. 9980. You can call him personally and talk to him, or you can just go to the website fuse-health.com, which is also found very easily 
at WMEXBoston.com under the Our Partners list. Thank you very much to Fuse CBD. We'll be right back. Nachos! Yeah, you nachos! Hey, I'll take some. Great. And some Frank's Red Hot. Oh, nah. I'm good. Oh, you're just going to eat these dry, plain, boring nachos with no Frank's. Uh... Seriously? Frank it up. Frank it up. Come on, lady. Frank it up. Frank it up. Frank it up. Yeah! Yeah, this guy finally gets it. Hey, look, we're on the Jumbotron. It's the perfect blend of flavor and heat. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. When you need to feed a lot of people in a pinch, simply call Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. Angelina's is famous for their hand-tossed Italian-style pizzas, fresh-cut salads, and their subs are, dare we say, Jumbo. Did you know that Angelina's now offers Dell's Lemonade? That's right. You can refresh yourself with a tasty treat and make sure the kids are happy, too. Feed your family with Angelina's today, and you'll receive $5 back with every $25 purchase. And to top it all off, Angelina's delivers, ensuring that you can enjoy their great food without leaving the comfort of your own home. Angelina's in Braintree, located at 419 Elm Street, just one mile from the Union Street exit. Call 781-843-7827 to place your order. That's 781-843-7827. You can also order online at angelinasjumbo.com. Angelina's in Braintree, the home of the Jumbo. Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury on WMEX. Taking your calls at 781-834-9639 as we continue to get set and ready for opening face-off. Here's your host once again, Mike Milbury. All right, calls. This should be interesting. It should be I mean, you talked about passionate fans a little while ago, and uh, I'm sure we're going to get a few of them. I have a feeling there's probably more than a few. Don and Quincy is our very first caller on the program. Don, how are you, bud? I'm hanging in, Benny. Mike, I'm sorry. I still, I wish you were still GM or coach even, okay? Honest to God at this point. Even since, all right, they won in 2011. What has Don Sweeney, or is it on Cam Neely or Don Sweeney? Which one, okay, that we have not won a cup since 2011? Came awfully close, though, didn't they? I mean, awfully but, close. Game seven at home. Um, you know, I can remember that game. Tampa Bay two years in a row. I'm sorry. That, well, they still owe me a cup and a half, Mike. I'm honest to God. <laughs> no, 40 years without a cup, okay? And I got tired of it. And then they finally won in 2011, okay? But they haven't won since, all right? I'm serious, Mike. Okay, well, it's, it's not the like thing. they can just buy it. I mean, they ha- they have had some great runs. I mean, we, we talk about Bruce Cassidy. They they were six twenty winning percentage or something like that. It was awfully good hockey that they've played consistently. But they're getting old. Their core is starting to wane. They brought back yep. Krejci, hoping that they can revisit the magic that that got him a cup in two thousand eleven. And if I heard. Cam talking about the team today. I heard Don Sweeney talking about yesterday how the attitude has completely changed in the locker room. You know, you can make your own assumptions as to why that's happened, but they seem to have rejuvenated themselves and they're looking forward to a big season. And, and I'll tell you what, if Marshan comes back, and we talked about this last night, Marshan comes back and he rides along with Bergeron and uh, DeBrusque, and DeBrusque keeps up what he's yep. doing. And that second line, which played so well, the check line, and all of a sudden you got Taylor Hall and Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith as your third line. Wow, that's a pretty good 
top three lines as far as I'm concerned. Uh, my biggest concern might be the, the lack of depth in, in, on defense without McAvoy, but Hampus Lindholm has to show me what he's got. He's got to show me you right away. Be- I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, you might not believe me, Mike, but I did not watch the two, uh, the 20,000 Cup, okay? I said, I told Glenn Ordway, they owe me two and a half cups, okay, since 40 years, right? Okay, and I just got tired of it. I was there when um, my, uh, when uh, they got rid of Ad, um, Adam Oates, okay, all because he said, just bring us one more player, and we would have won a cup. I think, were you still with the team then? I, 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 actually, I made the trade for Adam, and uh, it was an interesting situation with Craig Janney, but it was, I mean, obviously the magic they had, Neely and he was fun to watch. And, you know, I, I, I was gone then, so I can't speak to, I can't speak to how Oates left or under what situation, but I think it was, had something to do with money too. Oh, well, okay. But thank you, Mike. I I know you got other guys waiting on the line to get a hold of you too. And and, and seriously, I wish you had stayed as coach at OGM. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. I had fun in NBC too. But uh... and I wish you had knocked out Jeremy Roenick when he said (laughs) what he said about our fans. (laughs) I really do wish you had knocked him out. You had to take more than one shot to knock out Jeremy. He's a tough kid. Take care, Mike. See ya. Take care, Benny. Yeah, you too, brother. Thank you very much. That was Don out in Quincy. And again, we are taking your calls. The excitement is building here at 781-834-9639. They own one and a half cups. One and a half cups. I like that. (laughs) Never heard that before like that. I like it. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about what we got going on here. Uh, He was talking about he would have preferred you be a GM and a coach a little longer. Let's talk about some of the other people in the circles that you've had the pleasure of crossing paths with. Some of your favorite coaches, maybe. Well, we talked about uh, my favorite coaches. Playing for Don Cherry was always just, you know, you, I can't remember one time. We, we're ha- always had a tough time with Montreal. Go to Montreal and it was, you know, you had trouble keeping up with them. So the night before one particular game, he said to the defenseman on the squad, okay, follow me. And we went around the corner to a little brasserie and started drinking beer and telling stories and didn't get in till about 10 o'clock at night. None of us had any dinner. None of us were thinking about the Canadians. Maybe just trying to take our mind off of them. And we got uh, the snot beat on us the next night, seven to three. Oh, great. Yeah, that worked out <laughs> but well. But he tried everything. I'll give him credit for that. <laughs> but one of my favorite coaches, actually, is a guy that's coaching in the league now. Coached not didn't coach me, but coached for me, was Peter LaViolette. Uh, I, I hired him in Long Island, and um, great young coach, great energy, great presence in the room. Uh, won a cup with Carolina after that. I think he's uh, he's earned his keep, and he's got his hands full tonight with the, with the, with the Bruins and with his own team being nicked up. But we'll, we'll get to that a little more extensively uh, in the next, next quarter or period or whatever you want to call it. That's right. Do we got another caller on the line? We'll uh, take another one right now. You got it. Let's go with it. We got Derek calling in from the South Shore. He's on the fun phone right now, and it is the fun phone tonight here at Gloves Off Hockey with Mike Milbury. Derek, are you out there? I'm here. He's here. All right, brother. You're on live with your friend Ben, Mike Milbury. It's opening night. How do you feel? Bruin season is finally upon us. I think it's going to be a good game. Um you know, it's nice to have at least part of the band back together with Crazy coming in and uh, be fun to watch that second line in action. 
Yeah, and what? So, what do you? What are your expectations for the team for the season? What are you happy with? You're happy with them only if they win a cup. If they get to the final, they win around, make the playoffs. Well, you know, I mean, um, you kind of hope that they, you know, you know, they're part of the playoff structure around Thanksgiving. Usually, you know, it means you have know, a pretty good shot of getting in. Um, and no, that's when they get their McAvoy and Marshan back. So that that would be my goal for them, at least now. And then, then you can get a better feel for the whole group when it's back together again. This is true, you know. And you know, with the new coach coming in, I mean, it could be a little bumpy at first, but uh, you know, they, they, I think we have a really good shot. I, I look at Florida; they're kind of taking a step back, losing Huberto, and you know, Weger's going to be a, a tough loss for them as well. I know Kachuk's a good player, but. Oh, he's more than a good player. He's one of the top players in the league. But they they gave up an awful lot to get him. It'll be it will be interesting to see how that shakes the, shakes out. They too have a new coach in Paul Maurice. Yeah, and they, you know you got Ottawa that's improved, and you know Buffalo's a little bit better. So I mean, you know, we were in a pretty good division. It's going to be very competitive. Well, uh, no doubt about that. I mean, this is it's a tough conference. Well, they're all both tough conferences, tough divisions, and the Bruins need to stay healthy, get healthy and stay healthy, and they need to spread the, the ice time. I mean, I know from experience, you, you, don't, you don't feel the same at 38 or 36 and 37 with Krejci and Bergeron are. You're going to need to give them time off. You're going to need to manage their minutes well and so that they're, they're ready to go when it's, when it's really meaningful games in April. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the special teams do without, you know, McAvoy around on the power play. And, you know, I mean, we're going to be top-heavy. And hopefully uh, they'll have a better approach this year. You know, they seem to get a little too cute on the power play last year. Too many passes, you know. Well, they this guy to wants to play with pace. He wants to play with puck possession. He's got plenty of players that he can he can look to to develop a power play. Uh, there's no question that they have talent to make that work. Uh, and... McAvoy will, and Marshan will only make it better in a couple of months. I agree. And, you know, another big thing for us now is going to be our goaltending. They're going to have to kind of keep us afloat for a bit, you know, until we can get the walk and wounded back. Yeah. I, for, me, for me, I'd like to see them give Swayman a run at being the number one goaltender. I, that's what I'd like to see, but I don't think that's going to happen, at least not – not in the near future, but maybe it'll just sort itself out. I think they're both capable goaltenders. I want one that's more than capable, and I think they're going to have to choose one to give it, give the reins to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, eventually you're going to end up riding the hot hand. That's right. Derek, what's your prediction of the score tonight? Uh, I'm going to say uh, 4-3 Bruins. 4-3. That's the second time I've heard that tonight from one of our listeners, so that's awesome. Derek, I really appreciate you calling in tonight, and thank you for joining us on Gloves Off Hockey. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. There it is. It is Derek out of the South Shore. Thank you, brother. I uh, do have another call here for you. Would you like to take another one? Rapid fire. Rap. Look at us. Three in a row. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So right onto the line. Here we go. And I think this is Steve out in Abington. Steve, you out there? I am here. I am here. Actually, you're on live with Mike Milbury. Uh, and you had a question about the waiver wire process. Yeah, uh, Mike, I've been a big fan for many, many years. Um, to be great to talk to you here. Thank you. And um, yeah, regarding the waiver wire, now I know it means that uh, they potentially the players uh, get to go down to you know the the minor leagues, 
but now can anybody pick somebody up off of the paper wires? And isn't that just a, a risky uh, proposition? Well, you, you would expect that teams around the league scout well enough to know the players in question. Every team has a, it's a multi-tiered scouting system. They have amateur scouts and they have a head amateur scout and, and they have area scouts in Western Canada and, and Ontario in the United States and, and a scout probably for every major hockey playing co- uh, country throughout uh, Europe, one in Russia, one in the Czech Republic, one in Sweden, one in Finland, and probably a chief European scout. Uh, Detroit did really? it better than anybody. So when a guy, for example, like you know Nick Foligno, and they have pro scouts, uh, scouts that are just dedicated to watching everybody else's organizations uh, throughout the league, not only at the NHL level, but they, at the American Hockey League level. And some of them also have the responsibility to look at other teams' draft picks that haven't been signed. So there's a whole host of people who, who should be called upon when a guy comes on the waiver wire. First of all, Let's let's say it's let's say it's Mike Riley. He's he's got some time left on his contract, three million bucks. People have to know that they a have a need for a player like Riley. They need to have evaluated Riley's abilities. Is he good defensively? Is he good offensively? Is he tough enough? Is he is he passionate enough? Uh, is he durable enough? All those things go into what somebody needs to do when somebody comes on the waiver wire. But you know you're picking up a player as a freebie, basically, except for paying for his salary. So um, buyer beware, I guess, is the way you put it. But, you know, if you're buying yeah. something, you do your homework. You you, you right. call in all the people that you're paid for for a long time to do their work, and they weigh in, and then ultimately the general manager needs to make a decision. Yeah. So, I mean, when somebody like Nick, you know, who has been around for quite a while, when he gets uh, put on waivers, you would think that, he would have gotten picked up like almost immediately. Was that Felino? You said Felino. Yeah. Well, uh, well, making a lot of money for a fourth line player. I think their expectation was that he could be a third or even a second line player, but he's kind of lost a little steam. He had a pretty good camp, a better camp, but um, it's an expensive piece of the puzzle to put on your fourth right. line, which is where he's at right now, and. Uh, Good guy, great guy, has had a pretty solid career, but it's it's nearing the end, and I think most people have seen that. And, you know, there are some people now that I talk to that think they'd be better off with one of the younger kids, McLaughlin or Studnik or Frederick, given that opportunity that there's a better upside. But, you know, there's sure. a there's a relationship you establish with your players, and I think there's a respect for Felino and a good guy in the locker room as well, although we once had a guy, John Blum, who was on the team. Yeah, I remember. And uh, Tom Johnson was the assistant general manager, and they, they asked the coach at the time, you know, why would you keep John Blum around? And the answer was he's good in the locker room. And Tom Johnson said, well, if he's good in the locker room, why don't you just keep him there? <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Wow. <laughs> so that's well, the waiver wire story. I appreciate the information. No sure. problem. Anytime. Thanks for calling. That's Steve out of Abington. Thank you for calling in, buddy. Appreciate you. We're going to take our last commercial break. We'll be right back. It's 10 minutes to game time just thereabouts, Mike. We're excited here at Broadcast House Studios, and we're going to be excited all night long. Let's go, bees. Gloves off hockey being proudly brought to you by AMS Practice Management. And reach out today. If you're looking to recruit hands, hearts, and hope, 
the talent acquisition and professional services that will support, impact, and transform your large or small business. They've got something for everybody. And it's AMS Practice Management. You can find them online at amsmanagements.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-557-6092. That's AMS Practice Management at 800-557-6092. We'll be right back. ready for opening face-off. It's not TD Garden tonight. They're down in Washington, but the boys in black and gold are getting ready to roll. Mike Milbury, your host. And Mike, it's been a wild night here with all the excitement. Clearly, our listeners are all pumped up for this one. How do you feel as we get closer and closer to finally seeing this team in action? Curious, for sure. Uh, And they certainly have a team that they have to be ready for with the Washington Capitals. I want to chat about them for, for a little bit, Ben. Um, first guy that comes to mind when you think Washington Capitals is Alex Ovechkin. This guy has come a long way as a player. He's always worked hard, always shooting and scoring and, and, and hitting, um, but the nuances of the game escaped him. And those are the easiest parts of the game, but it requires discipline and reading and reacting, study, becoming a student of the game. And it wasn't until Barry Trotz got there that he sort of convinced him that this is the way to go. I mean, I remember criticizing Ovechkin several times for, for these bad line changes, for these poor decisions, for failure to back check at the right time. And invariably, the Washington Caps owner would call the commissioner, and the commissioner would call my boss, and you know how this stuff trickles down. But it, it didn't. fortunately, NBC stuck with me and, and gave me the opportunity to, to as long as they felt it was fair and it was accurate, um, it was okay. But I'll tell you, it changed in the Stanley Cup Finals when they when they when they won a cup for the first time. Ovechkin was blocking shots, proper line changes, his shifts were down. He was doing all the things that I'd been asking him to do, but nobody nobody was listening to me. Uh, I guess you don't have to listen to a broadcaster, right? Unless you're an interested fan. So now he's in pursuit of Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky, and the word I have is that he really wants it. You know, he said he said the right things again now, talking about it's more important that we win, but he's a notoriously fast starter, Ovechkin. But, you know, they're, they're, they're dinged up a little bit too. You know, they're out without Nick Backstrom, who had this what sounds like a painful surgery on his hip where they have to scrape it and get yeah. off whatever's there. The and word he, hip and scrape don't belong yeah, together. Yeah. And, I, and I, I don't think he's going to be back for a while, if ever. Tom Wilson the league's most hated man, uh, he's out with a anterior cruciate, cruciate ligament problem. I don't even know I, what that is. I, I, yeah, me either, and I don't want to know. Um, but they do have Evgeny Kuznetsov back, a terrific top-line center. He's going to be the guy that's feeding Ovechkin. They put Connor Brown on his line. Not a bad player. Carl Haglin also out, another guy with a hip injury. Um, TJ Oshie, Dylan Strom. T.J. Oshie's coming off kind of so-so season and some injury problems. Dylan Strome they picked up from the Rangers, uh, second-line center to fill in for Backstrom. I don't think that's going to work out quite as well as Backstrom would work out. Yeah. But 
they have a serviceable group of forwards, but if it's they got to count on Ovechkin to get 50 goals again. And Lord knows he's going to be trying because he's in the hunt for this all-time record. Blue line is John Carlson. I can't believe he's 32 already. That blows my mind. It's just Dmitry Orlov already 31. Good, good steady defenseman. Carlson also top end. And then they have a, you know, a bunch of no names the rest of the way. It's thin and it's old. This is one of the oldest teams in the league now. I think the window has closed on Washington. I don't think they're going to come anywhere near a Stanley Cup with or without Ovechkin with this this ancillary group. It just doesn't work for me. And as far as the goaltending is concerned, Darcy Kemper won a cup last year with the Colorado Avalanche, and he goes over to Washington. Well, my grandmother could have won a cup playing goal for the Colorado Aval- Avalanche last year, and she's been dead for about 25 years. And I don't know who Charlie Lindgren is, their backup goaltender. So this is not a powerhouse in the conference anymore. They could make the playoffs, don't get me wrong, but it's not something that it's going to be easy for them to do. A capable coach in Peter Laviolette, we talked a little bit about him. Hands are full, and uh, there's always Ovi to watch. And he's always entertaining. So the Bruins will have their hands full with this group, but they have better balance. And uh, I think they have better goaltending, so it should be a, a good opening night for Boston. No predictions from me, but I, I think uh, they're capable of winning this game tonight. Very not easily, but with a good, good solid effort. Well, I've heard from a few different sources that they're calling for a 4-3 Bruins victory tonight. And uh, just to square up that thought on Ovechkin, he's sitting at 780 goals all time in his career. So he's got a little ways to go, but... My goodness, my gracious, wouldn't that be something? Also, a little shout-out to the local kid, Connor Sheary from Winchester. He's playing for the Caps tonight, number 73 out there on that left wing. And, uh, you know, we've seen what he can do in Pittsburgh, but obviously he's been moved around a little bit of a journeyman as well. So we'll see how that bodes out. But, Mike, it's opening night. This is it. We're finally going to have something to talk about tomorrow that isn't just speculation. I'm all about that. I know you are, too. Yeah, ready to go, ready to see what they bring. And, you know, these games early, as we talked about, without their key players, uh, and it's part of the mix, it's important to get every point they can until they get the team whole. Oh, absolutely. And we've, how many seasons do we have to see it? These first few games, you can't just take them for granted. These points become absolutely valuable. Uh, I mean, obviously, as they are anyway, but in the latter parts of the season, you can't fight and claw any harder than the numbers will let you. That's right. You you can lose the season in the first 20 games. Yeah, you don't want to dig a hole. And and that's that's why it's so important that up until Thanksgiving, the quarter pole of the season, the Bruins are in the playoff mix. That'll tell us something. I think so. Well, that's it for us tonight. It is currently just about 7 o'clock. I believe 7.05 will be the face-off tonight in Washington. And, of course, thank you so much for joining us here on Gloves Off Hockey. Mike Milbury in-house. We'll be back at it again tomorrow to talk about future games and what happened tonight, tomorrow. Sounds fun, right, Mike? It does. Ready to go. I love it. Let's go. Well, in tradition of that, folks... Let's go bees, shall we? Causeway Street's rocking. TD Garden Spirit is with the boys tonight. Let's hope for the best. Folks, stay tuned. Veterans Voice coming up next on 1510 WMEX. Let's go bees.